it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome into another show here on Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Mason Bruce Anthony Broom, but you know that because you've been here before. You've heard my voice. A little bit of a deviation in the schedule today. We were only able to rock out three of those team profile and projection shows for Big Ten schools last week, so we had an open slot in the plan. I figure I would come back and do a quick little solo show. We won't be here too long. I want to talk about the NBA draft, how it went for Michigan basketball. I will take a couple questions from uh, Twitter, but mostly Discord. Uh, Not a lot of Twitter action this time around, and rightfully so. It's a beautiful, as I record here, it's a Sunday night in the Motor City and surrounding areas. It's a a wonderful weather weekend. It's going to get hot here in the next few days, but you should be out and about doing stuff. You shouldn't be on Twitter. In fact, you should never be on Twitter. So... Let's just hop right into it. I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but we will start with the 2021 NBA draft. And I do have a question that we'll address this later. We'll talk about that. The the elephant in the room, me being a, a Detroit guy, a Pistons fan, obviously very happy that Cade Cunningham is playing for the pro basketball team that I root for. But you're not here for Cade Cunningham. You're not here for Jalen Green. You're not here for Evan, Evan Mobley. Those are the top three picks in the draft. Green to Houston, play for the Rockets. Evan Mobley is heading to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's how the top three went. But the biggest story was where are these Michigan guys going to go? There were four guys in the running to be selected on draft night. Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, Shondi Brown, and Mike Smith. Now, if you'll remember, Hunter Dickinson put his name into the draft process, but elected to 
remove it and enjoy a final season, and it will be a final season at Michigan. I do not expect him to come back for a junior year. So there were four guys in the mix. And obviously, like I think we knew that Franz was probably going to be the, the, the top pick from the Michigan guys, a first-round pick, a lottery pick. We used the hashtag lottery pick Franz throughout the year. Guy who's a six foot nine, but he wants everyone to know he's six ten. Uh, wing forward that plays like a guard. Really, a guy who you look at at the NBA level is going to be someone who's not. I don't see him being a superstar. He might not wind up being a starter, but what he is is a secondary playmaker. He's someone who you know what he's going to bring on the defensive side of the ball. He gets after it on that end. He's a great passer. The offense can kind of come and go, but that's what he is. And I think what he brings from a playmaking standpoint, from a defensive standpoint as well, is going to make him a good player in this league. And he goes, he comes off the board to, at number eight overall. That sounds right to the Orlando Magic, who I thought had a really good draft because Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga fell to them. He was expected to go somewhere in that top four. I think we kind of all knew that Cade, Jalen Green, and Mobley were going to round out that top three, but Suggs was a, an extremely popular pick to come off the board at four, and the Toronto Raptors elected to go a different direction. They took Scotty Barnes, but so the Magic are a team, you know, in a full-blown rebuild, came out and got a guy who I think is, is one of the, will be one of the stars of this draft, will probably be their starting point guard in Suggs, and you come right back at eight because you had the second first-round pick from the Bulls, from the Vucevic uh, trade. I totally butchered that name. That's fine. So I think that's a good landing spot for Franz because you've got some good guards there. You've got, you know, he's not going to go there and be expected to be the guy. So I like that fit for Franz Wagner. We'll see if, the, the I mean, the elephant in the room with that is that Mo Wagner was on the Magic at the end of last season. We'll see if that continues to be the case. It would be cool if those guys got to play together. It would be a really good story. So next up for the Michigan Wolverines was Isaiah Livers, who comes off the board, and I talked Pistons earlier on. I love this pick. I'm biased, though. Isaiah Livers comes off the board number 42 overall in the second round to the Detroit Pistons. I'm a big fan of this fit for him. I think that he's a guy who I don't know if he would have been a first-round pick if he was healthy. I think he's he probably was drafted where he should have been drafted in terms of, you know, he's the front half of the, the second round, which I was kind of surprised by. I think the Vegas line had him at 53 and a half in terms of the spot that he was going to come off the board. So for him to come off the board there was a bit of a surprise, but also not, but a, not a surprise because the Pistons need shooting. They need a little bit more depth on the wing with guys that can shoot. And, and we know that's what, that's what Livers is, and lest we forget, I won't let people forget this, John Beeline is in the front office with Detroit right now, working as a special consultant. I think he's he's got some kind of role in player development. I saw a story from last week where Killian Hayes was talking about how John Beeline was working with him on his shot at, at the facility. So John Beeline isn't just sitting at a desk and filling out spreadsheets and watching film like he it seems like he has somewhat of a a hands-on approach and you see reports Sunday before I record that 
Maybe the Pistons are in on a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. Could we see some kind of University of Michigan Detroit Pistons connection? I don't know. I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know if signing a guy like that from a Pistons perspective is good for the timeline that that team is probably on. But yeah, uh, would be you know if you're going to add guys that played for John Beeline that they're going to be able to shoot the basketball. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's what the Pistons need. So for Livers, I mean, I don't think this is a scenario where, first of all, I don't even know if he's going to play in Summer League. If he does play in Summer League, the cool thing is because the Pistons have Cade, those Summer League games are all going to be on in primetime. They're all on ESPN or ESPN2. I think maybe one of them's on NBA TV, whatever it is. But those games are going to be visible. So if, if he's playing at all in Summer League, which, again, we know he had that stress fracture at the end of the year. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but if we get a look at him, then it'll be in primetime TV. I know he was at literally minutes after the press conference ended the other day. Livers and Cade Cunningham were basically dressed in, they, they got out of the suits, they got into street clothes, and they started working out at the team facility. So, yeah, I, I think for him, Isaiah probably has a chance. I, I think he could probably be like a seventh or eighth guy off the bench if he is able to stay healthy. I don't think that's a guy that winds up being an eventual starter. But, again, we've talked about shooting percentages with him. Guy shoots almost 50% from the floor, 40% from three, nearly automatic at the free throw line. Like Those those are skills that translate in today's NBA. So I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be the next Duncan Robinson and a guy who is a big piece on a playoff team, a starter on a playoff team, or, or in a prominent role. But I think he has a chance to develop into a role player. And, and if the Pistons go in this direction that they keep go, that they've been going in, where we're going to let these young guys play, we're going to let them grow, and now they want them to grow around Cade Cunningham, who will be here for 15 years, we're hoping. He's going to have a chance to play and show off. So I, I like that fit for him as well. Also interesting, won't talk about this one too much, Luca Garza to the Pistons as well. I don't think his game translates as well. You know, he's one of those throwback big guys, and that's the kind of thing that maybe leads me to believe it might not bode super well for you know what Hunter Dickinson's able to show next year. We'll see, but you know the throwback big men aren't really. We'll see what happens. I'll I'll say that. Next up, uh, Michigan only had the two guys drafted, but we do have guys coming out of the program this year that, that we've seen that will probably be playing in Summer League. Shawnee Brown signs with the Los Angeles Lakers, which is a fit I love for him because they're trying to do the thing where they build a super team full of old busted parts like the Lakers always do. And that team is not going to play a lick of defense. So I think Shawnee Brown could probably step onto that roster and be someone at the on the back end of the bench that you could throw in there, and, and he's going to be a bit of a dog. You know, he's going to play play defense. He could knock down some shots. I like that fit for him. I think because because the Lakers will have so many eggs in the basket of these superstar guys, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They just traded. They're they're working on finishing a trade for Russell Westbrook. I just feel like it's like. There's going to be an opportunity to fill in the back end of that roster because they have so much allocated in the top half of it. So I think Shawnee Brown has a chance to make that roster there. Again, he's a guy, I think he's a 3 and D guy. 
I don't know if he's ever going to be anything more than a ninth, tenth guy off the bench. If he makes it, I hope he does. But I, I like that fit for him a lot because I think even with them being, I don't know. If, it's weird to say. I don't know if they're a championship contender in the West next year. But anytime you have LeBron James, you're always a championship contender. But he has a chance to make a roster and be kind of a nice little back-end piece for them. So I'm looking forward to see how see how that goes for Shondi Brown. The fourth and final guy that heard his name called in some capacity, wasn't drafted. We had the two guys were drafted, two guys weren't. Mike Smith, uh, he's going to the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. He's going to fill out their roster for Summer League. And this is the guy, and this is no disrespect to Mike Smith, I just don't know, you know, shorter guard, smaller guard. I just don't know if he's going to be able to hold up playing against those bigger type of guys in the summer. We'll, we'll see. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a chance, but on, on that team, I, I think he's just kind of a body for summer league. I would assume he's gonna get pro looks somewhere, maybe overseas, maybe the G League. Would love to see a scenario where he's able to crack a roster at some point here in the states but i just don't know i mean he's a five foot ten five foot eleven whatever it is point guard and you know the offense is a bit streaky i don't know it's i'm hoping things work out for him but he's the guy that i'm least confident in but i I hope it does because you should if you can find a you know you can make some money playing basketball somewhere i think there's a league for him somewhere on this spherical thing we call planet earth that's going to do it for the Michigan NBA Draft Talk. I'm going to take a quick break here. Come back. We'll take some of your guys' questions from Twitter, your comments from Twitter and Discord, and we'll close it out here on the Maze and Brew Podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Maze and Brew podcast. Voice is a little raspy today. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, I am your host, Anthony Broom of Maze and Brew here on the SB Nation Podcast Network. All right, we talked the first half of the show about the Michigan guys that came off the board in the NBA draft. Now I'm going to take some of your questions as requested from Twitter, our Discord, which, again, all of our social media is going to be linked in the description below. So please 
throw a like on this. Whoops. Sorry. Don't know what happened there. I'll have to edit that out. But all the links to our social media are in the description below. So please like, subscribe, all of that stuff. So moving on. Let's take questions from Discord. I think I only got a few from Twitter. So we'll start over here in Discord. This one is from Vianet Kandar. Sounds like a Star Wars name, but thank you for the question. What do you think the next Big Ten move would be to enhance its position as the number two revenue-generating conference? Yeah, well, as everyone knows, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC is official. Both schools say they plan on staying in the Big 12 until 2025. I think the Big 12 is probably going to fall apart before then. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in there by 2023, maybe even by 2022, but I think this is moving pretty quickly. So that's happening, and that likely pushes... That likely pushes the SEC to being the conference that is the most lucrative, the most revenue generating, just because of the value added there. Now, the Big Ten does have a TV deal coming up in 2023. And when we talk about value added, this is this is in terms of the payouts that each school gets at the end of the year. So the Big Ten's is around $54 million the last time I checked. That puts them, I think, 8 or $9 million above the SEC. I don't know. There might be a scenario in play where the SEC is still adding Texas and Oklahoma, still maybe keep some number two, but I would have to think that that pushes the Big Ten to number two. But so when we talk about Big Ten expansion, it's all about it has to be someone that adds value. So if you're not adding a USC, a Notre Dame, a you know a big brand like that, an Oregon, someone someone like a North Carolina, there's not really there's not a ton of value in that because all that's really doing is getting you to 16, just getting you to 16 for getting you to 16 sake, I should say. And what that does is dilutes. If you're not adding these teams with extra value, you're just diluting everyone else's payout. So am I intrigued by the idea of adding Kansas and Iowa state? Not really. You know, if, you know, Viennet's question here is, what do you do to enhance the position as the number two conference? I think that's kind of where the focus is, is that, okay, for right now, we probably can't add something that makes us number one. So let's strengthen our stronghold as the number two. I think that, I mean, Kansas, Kansas and Iowa State would be interesting only because I think that, and it, this is more from an Iowa State perspective, if Matt Campbell sticks around, that program probably has a pretty solid foundation there. They might be something moving forward. But to me, those schools be, bring almost nothing value-wise to the conference. It would just be diluting it a little bit more like a Maryland and Rucker situation. You know, when I, to me, if, if you're asking me what I would do to enhance the Big Ten, and this won't ever happen. I know this. I, I'm not... This isn't me making a prediction. This isn't even an educated guess. This is me throwing shit at the wall because that's what we do best here. You throw the bag at Notre Dame. You bring in Notre Dame. You're able to secure maybe a, maybe a North Carolina or a Virginia. Notre Dame's not going to do that. So when you're looking at what are the moves the Big Ten could make, again, I think the most logical thing is probably what's been thrown around in terms of the we're going to do a rotating non-conference slate of games with the Pac-12. I think that that's... And maybe the Pac-12 might be on shaky footing, too. That conference is USC and Oregon and deciding, hey, we're going to do what Texas and Oklahoma did. 
they're that away from being the same spot that the Big 12 is in. So we'll see. I don't know if there's a logical move to be made because I feel like the Big 10 has a pretty solid footing here in terms of being that number two revenue generating conference. So that's my take on that for now. So thank you to Vienna Kandar from the Most Eisley Cantina. I made that second part up for the question. I appreciate it. Uh, this one's from Cameron570. We appreciate you, Cameron. He says, what grade do you give the Detroit Pistons draft, including every pick? Well, they got Cade Cunningham, so the entire draft is an A+. They haven't had a number one pick in 51 years. They got the best player in the draft. They, have a, they got a guy who fits the culture. He's a team-first guy. He elevates people around you, and he can take over when he needs to as well. And I'm not making this comparison. Let me make this very clear. This is not me making a direct comparison. Now that we have that established, the ability to elevate what's around him and drag a team to greatness and get his when he needs to, it kind of, sort of, again, not making a direct comparison. It kind of reminds me of LeBron James. End. Period. I'm not going to go any further with that. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as LeBron James. Those are traits that remind me that are LeBron-esque, so to speak. So that's an A+. From there, I mean, Cameron, second-round picks to me are lotto tickets. They're scratch-offs. I like the Livers pick. I think he has a chance to be a rotational guy, maybe as soon as this year. Luca Garza, eh, that doesn't do much for me. I don't think there's a place for him in the NBA. And uh, Balsa Kopravica who Isaiah Liver stopped the press conference the other day to make sure that Balsa could let everyone know how to pronounce his last name. It's Kopravica, like a pizza, as he said. It's it's fine. You know, the back half of the second round, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. I mean, outside of Draymond, I can't think of a guy from the second round in recent memory. And NBA people, NBA Twitter, if they got a hold of this, they'd be like, well, there was this guy, there was this guy, there was this guy. I did, again, it's a crapshoot. So we'll see what happens there. But A-plus across the board because they got Cade. So this is another one from Cameron. He says, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Does this past NBA draft give you confidence that Dickinson can be a first rounder or at least a draft pick at all next year? Yeah, I think he can. Because I think, so you kind of have to look to what happened with Luca Garza. Luca Garza comes in the back half of round two. Again, I know Hunter wants to be a first round pick. He really has to transform his game and bring it farther away from the basket for that to be the case. But I think he'll go higher than Garza did, even without improving all of those, without being as good a player as Garza was, because he'll be just a little bit younger. The NBA seniors and four-year guys are rat poison to the NBA for some reason. Me, I just want good basketball players. I'll figure it out. I don't care if he's 40. I don't care if he's 17. Throw him in there. We'll figure it out from there. But, yeah, that's... I don't know if he can be a first-rounder. But I, I, he could be. It's 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 in the cards. It could happen. Late first-rounder. But I do think he's his range might be more where Isaiah Livers was drafted. I think when you look at Michigan's NBA draft guys for next year, I think you're looking at Caleb Houston as a top 10 pick. Ricky O'Donnell, uh, our buddy from SB Nation proper, has him 
as his number fifth, number five, number fifth, his number five prospect heading into this process. I think that might be a little bit high for him, but he is good and a former high school teammate, I believe, of Cade Cunningham. So got those parallels there. Musa Diabate, if he has some kind of big freshman year, I think he could potentially be a lottery pick. You know, there are guys up and down this roster. Devontae Jones is someone who I know has NBA aspirations, so we'll see. So that's how I feel about where they are from an NBA draft perspective. Last one from Cameron. I know Cameron is kind of taking up a big part of the show here, but I think this is an important one. And I might not be the best person to address it, but I'll bring it up anyways. When Michigan has their annual barbecue at the big house, it's followed by a slew of commitments. That didn't happen this time. Are you concerned about Michigan is at in their recruiting efforts? I am concerned. When you see, you know, usually the barbecue is one of those tentpole recruiting events for this pro, for this football program every year. And there's not a ton of buzz coming out of it. You had a guy over the weekend, this guy, you know, Jeremy Patton, I believe was his name, wasn't at the barbecue, but a guy who was already like the number 500 athlete, linebacker, whatever it was in the country, he decides to go to Baylor. So not only are you missing on bigger recruits now, these guys in like the five and six hundreds that you're either bringing into the class or missing out on, it's not great. And I get, we've talked about this before too. Jim Harbaugh's extension, say what you will, it's stability on paper only. And they've made a lot of changes on the back end. This is a big season for them. They have to they have to get back to that 8-9-10 win plateau to prove that there is a direction forward here because I don't know if anyone can safely say that there is a direction forward here. Now, there's been band-aids applied. There's been some changes on both sides of the ball. There's been some changes on the back end in terms of some administrative stuff. Courtney Morgan is running recruiting now. Matty Dudek is out. Yeah, I am concerned, and I don't want to talk too much about that. We'll let Vaughn, John, Steven address that in our recruiting podcast this week, but I am concerned. But the only way you fix that is by winning football games, and we have a little over a month until they're able to do that. All right, this question is from Twitter. Well, it's not a question. It's more of a comment. This is from Crouton Newmark. We've got a lot of funny names today. Seems like this year is more make or break than ever. A strong competitive showing on the field will go a long way towards restoring a rivalry with OSU. A bad year, and Michigan football will be in a forever insurmountable hole. I don't know if I could ever call it insurmountable. Things probably felt pretty insurmountable in December of 2014 before Jim Harbaugh arrives at Michigan. And within two years, you're playing in Columbus with a chance to go to Indy on the line. So insurmountable, I don't know if I'd call it that. But yeah, a bad year sets you back. Now Michigan, with the resources they have, with the way they usually recruit on their own, again, we're seven years in, so that luster of what this staff is is worn off because they haven't won enough games. But let's just say a new coach comes in. There's going to, like, Michigan will recruit itself if there's some promise there, a new face, or they just win again. That's what it'll take. But yeah, it, it, I won't call it insurmountable, but it, it certainly feels. It feels like this is a big year. Hot take. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to previewing the season, and we will do that here. So so that's going to do it for me tonight. All of our socials are in the description below. 
podcasts are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a five-star rating. Give us a nice review. Follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Fall camp opens this week. A lot of cool stuff coming to the website. Content plans starting to kick into high gear here, so I'm excited for that. Next time you hear my voice, I will be back with Luke Chiardi previewing the next batch of our Big Ten profile preview projections on all the teams in the conference. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.